0: Well, hello everybody. Welcome to week two of Out of Left Field, brought to you by Farm Bureau. Go with the home team, favorites.com. If you're in the market for insurance, do your ins- insurance with who we handle our insurance with. That's Farm Bureau. Hey everybody, I'm Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. We're a top duty noble field tonight, week two of the out of left field. Podcast and rounds 13 through 25 of our draft. Of course, during the year, we will uh, talk about the, the games that went on the previous weekend. We'll uh, kind of forecast what goes on the following week. We'll also take some look backs on our country pleasing sausage look back at Bulldog Sports. I'd like to welcome a new sponsor tonight, Jersey Mike's, opening tomorrow here in Starkville. They're going to be all over the state of Mississippi before you know it. And Charlie, I tell you, man, it's, uh, it's amazing. We did the show last week. And my phone has blown up this week between phone calls, text messages, Twitter. The thing that's been great is reconnecting with so many former players. I've only had one person that's trying to bribe me, just straight-out cash bribe to get on our top 25, our 25-man 25 roster. And he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. And I know he's going to listen to the show tonight. And he knows who he is. And he's a banker. That's the thing about it. But Charlie – my goodness, it's been a lot of fun so far.
1: Well, it has, but you go back and you look at last week, you know, you could afford to leave some guys off because you always had today to make up for it. Today, though, is, is when it gets tough because there's going to be a lot of really good players left off the list. they are going to be friends of ours left off the list, and tonight's where it gets controversial. Friends become enemies, enemies become friends. Personal relationships are damaged for years to come. But we've only got so many spots, and that's the challenge. When you've got a program that's been this good, that's turned out this many players, you can only pick so many. The other thing about it, too, is I have a list of probably 30 different people that I could take, but it's going to depend on you. It's going to depend to some degree whether you load up on left-handers or right-handers or things like that. So I'm having to react to your roster as well as to building my own. Well,
0: no, that's the thing about it. I had to react. You won the first pick, and then last week it kind of threw me for a loop, especially early on. And that's been the Twitter feedback so far is Charlie is whipping you through rounds 12. But here's the thing, Charlie, is when you start looking at who some of the guys I'm probably going to pull out tonight that I know you're probably not going to pick, I'm going with grit. I'm going with guys that I know can get it done. The stats may not be there, but I know just blue-collar going to whip you. And I, so I have no doubt whatsoever, when you put my 25 against your 25, I will go to bat. i go in a foxhole with these 25.
1: Well, I'll tell you what I'm going with tonight. I'm going with guys who've got good home run trots, good bat <laughs> flips, because I'm just celebrating from here on out.
0: Well, because you loaded up on pitching last week. Okay, first and foremost, just to kind of revisit the, the rules of all this, I'm picking 25, Charlie's picking 25, all-time teams – from 1975 to right now. And our apologies to the people, of course. We know that baseball was here before Ron Polk. We went over that all last week. But we'll have some of those guys on our show here early in the season. So, Charlie last week loaded up on pitching, went early with Kenny Kurtz, with threw me for a complete curveball because that's what he lived by. He lived by those curveballs. And so let's revisit who we picked in rounds 1 through 12. And, of course, the caveat could not have played a single day in the major leagues or be currently in the minor leagues. And so that's the whole key when you look back. And let me tell you something. It is a lot harder than you think when you start talking about putting together a team. And like I said, we're not putting together the top 50 players to ever play here. We're putting together rosters. So we can't load up on eight first basemen, even though Charlie's probably got seven in right field right now. Am I right?
1: Well, we have to have a DH. Okay, I've got
0: guys who can move around. Okay. All right. So last week, here's where we went. Charlie went round one with Kenny Kurtz. I went round one with B.J. Wallace. Charlie went round two with Bobby Reed. I went round two with a right fielder and Mark Gillespie. Okay? So I dipped into my hitters early on. You stayed pitching. Third round, you went Gene Morgan, which I completely understand. I went Tommy Raffo because Tommy Raffo could forever more hit, especially I would love to see him in this new ballpark. Round four, you went John Harden. So your first four picks were pitchers. You got your closer in the fourth pick. I went back pitchers. I felt like I had to because you had gone four, and I was a one pitcher, and that was it. So I went Jeremy Jackson, who was phenomenal in the late 1990s. And then in the round five, who'd you have?
1: I went with Nat Showalter. Oh, yeah. You may That's know him as Buck. He's going to be my left fielder. Slap hitter. Well, only the <laughs> highest batting average in the history of Mississippi State.
0: That's when I think you went back to pitching with Ross Mitchell. I did, because if you look at Ross's numbers, 2012, 13, 14, and there, I mean, you couldn't find anybody that had better numbers than Ross Mitchell. 13-0, 2013. Then in your sixth pick – You went back to. um,
1: I went back to the outfield. Brought in Mike Kelly.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Center fielder. Top of
0: your order. I went Don Mundy with my sixth pick last week. And then uh, round seven, we took a break at at, uh, the sixth round. Seventh round, who'd you go with? I got
1: tired of you talking about slap hitters, so I went with Richard Lee. Yeah,
0: that's right. Who did I go with in the sixth round? You've got all this written down.
1: On the seventh round, you went with Hank Toms, the right handed pitcher. I then decided that I've built this team of pitchers that's going to get a lot of ground balls. I needed a shortstop. I went with Matthew Maniscalco. You tried to address your outfield. You went with the center fielder, Jody Hurst. I like that pick. I then decided in the ninth round that if I'm going to be good at short, why not be good at second? And I went with Brett Purtle as my second baseman. And you started to think about closing out ball games, and you went with the relief pitcher, Van Johnson.
0: Who, who, if I get to the seventh inning, I've got it. Van Johnson was not just a one-inning guy. He would shut you down. I could pitch Van Johnson to all seven games of our series. Go ahead.
1: So he's going to have a lot of mop-up duty on your team is what I'm seeing. Okay. Um, let's see. I then have – I went with Thomas Burkery. I went with a, a Swiss guy Army who Knife, play yeah. about everywhere. And then you
0: went with a guy kind of similar in Jeffrey Ray. A second baseman. He played a little bit of outfield, but uh, you know, he went uh, he went second base.
1: And then let's see. I went with the outfielder, Brad Winkler, and then you
0: went with the designated hitter, I'm going to call
1: him, first baseman, Bruce Castoria.
0: Yes, who would hit it over these lofts right here. And If you're watching on Facebook Live, you can see where we are, one of the private lofts beyond left field. He would hit it to us right here. Well, just keep in mind,
1: you don't get extra points for hitting it farther out. Yeah, but it gets the ooze and aisles. It gets gets this
0: kid over the fence. It gets a crowd into it.
1: Then my OCD took hold, and I wanted to close it out to have a player at every position. I went with a catcher, Russ Aldrich, and you went with a third baseman, maybe a shortstop, a left side of the uh, infield guy in Steve Gendron.
0: Yeah, okay. All right, so that's where we are. Through rounds one through 12, and so tonight, Charlie, of course, has the first pick in each of the rounds simply because he lied to me. I chose odd number. He said he had written in his book even number. And so, anyway, I know he was trying to do that and uh, trying to cheat a little bit, but so I'm fine with that. But So, go ahead. You have the first pick of the 13th round. Are you ready for your pick? I am indeed ready for my pick.
1: And with the first pick in the 13th round, I select Connor Powers, Ooh. third baseman, first baseman out of Naperville, Illinois, 2007-2010. to 2010.
0: That's a good pick. I like that pick. Had the walk-off home run here at Super Bowl all weekend. I think that was against Tennessee, 2010. Um, big first baseman, lot of power, kind of in a dead-bat era. Connor essentially threatened me via a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, saying that He needed to be picked by me, and I said I was not going to pick him. So I'm kind of glad you picked him.
1: Well, I'll tell you, the thing about Connor Powers is that he is a guy who – he did a couple of things. First of all, Connor Powers can play first or third. I've got Richard Lee who can play first or third. And you know what I can do? They can decide. I don't care because by the time we get a lead, I don't care where they play. I think I'll probably start them out with Powers at third and Richard Lee at first base. But this is a guy who every season hit over 300. He hit 19 home runs as a junior. He's fourth in all-time career home runs, seventh in career doubles. Here's the other thing, too. You go back to that Clemson regional that we had and here the super regional, Had a big home run in game one in the fifth inning of that ball game. But you know what I like about Connor Powers? I like the fact that, you know, John Cohen came in in 2009, and we had a couple of transition years. And, you know, look, there's a lot of difficulty when you're changing playing from a Ron Polk style to a John Cohen style. Connor Powers not only thrived under John Cohen, he stuck around for his senior year when he didn't have to. This is a guy who really helped – In my mind, we've talked about teams that kind of set the stage for teams to come. Connor Powers helped set the stage for some players behind him.
0: I think early in the process in the spring when you have pools, you've got to shock the pool. That's what John Cohen did. He got to put the shock in the pool. And so, uh, yeah, Connor Powers really kind of flourished in that role after John Cohen even got here. Okay, so I'm going to go in the first round. I did not have Connor picked, and so that does me no difference. I need a shortstop. I went last week, and – I went last week and did not have a shortstop. And so I'm going to get a shortstop. And I had a tough time with this one, to be honest with you, because you have so many great shortstops that have played here. You have guys who have played multiple years. I mean, I think of back in the early 80s, I mean, even before, 80, you know, 83, 84, in that time frame, I mean, we had some great shortstops. And, you know, back in the uh, 1970s, I mean, you look at, uh, my goodness, so many great uh, shortstops. And Bobby Parker comes to mind. I had a lot of people talking about Bobby Parker, 83, 84. And then Brad Hildreth, of course, in the late 1980s was so instrumental at shortstop. But I'm going to go with, um, I'm ready for my pick. Here we go. With the second pick of the 13th round, I'm going to go with the Short stop from Oxford, Mississippi from 1995 to 1998, Brad Freeman. Here's the thing about Brad. He started 40 games as a freshman. He was a part of that signing class in 1994. Remember, we had that signing class in '94 under Ron Polk, number one signing class in the country. And a lot of those guys were so big in our program going to the College World Series in 1997 and 1998. In his last two seasons, Freeman hit 19 home runs he hit 355 in 1998. He was a blue-collar player. He was just that guy who was a leader in the infield. Right now an NFL official, uh, lives back in Oxford. Seventh-round pick by the Cardinals in uh, 1998. So I'm going to go with shortstop in the 13th round, Brad Freeman. That's a good pick.
1: Yeah. I like that. I mean, you've got to close the gap, obviously. I, You know, had that big pick of Maniscalco at shortstop. I, so, I mean, you do what you can do at this point. I get that. So, not a bad pick there with Brad Freeman. No. But, you know what? I I did go pitching early, and I, I feel like I got a lot of value at the top of this draft with pitchers. But I am ready with my pick. And with the first pick in the 14th round, I select Brian Weiss. Okay. You One talked your- about my right fielders. I'm taking another one. But you know what else Brian Weiss can do? He can pitch. I think he had six appearances as a freshman. But here's what he did, and here's what he's known for. He hit 412 in 1998, hit 14 home runs that year, came back the next and hit 19. He was an All-American, top 10 all-time in career batting average and home runs. So the right fielder out of Greenwell Springs, Louisiana, 1996 to 1999, Brian Weiss, my pick, in the 14th round.
0: Couldn't get him out. Could not get him out that season here in Starkville. Okay, and we're going to try to be quicker than we were last week. We went an hour and five minutes last week. Our intents to get through in an hour. We have to tonight. Men's basketball tipping at 8 o'clock here on the live Facebook Live. And, of course, we'll be on podcast. whatever you want to look for, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, whatever, wherever you go to get your podcast, Make sure you can... Download and make sure you hit subscribe. We had a lot of subscribers last week, and we'll be here all baseball season, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Okay, I'm going to go in the 14th round. I started looking at my pitching staff. I've got really good starting pitching, B.J. Wallace, Jeremy Jackson, Don Mundy, and then I can use Hank if I need to, Hank Toms. I need somebody out of the bullpen, and this guy was good out of the bullpen early in his career He got better, and then he went to a starter in his senior season in 2000, and so the second pick of the 14th round. I'm going to go with a left-hander from South Haven, Mississippi, from 1997 to 2000, Kevin Donovan. Donovan won seven games as a Friday night starter in 2000. Okay. He was the guy going against the bulk of the big names in the league in 2000, won seven games. So the record wasn't great. It was only seven and five. But here's the thing about Kevin Donovan that I'll never forget, and many of you will never forget as well. It was the regional here in Starkville. On Friday, he threw about 150 pitches against South Alabama, completely just wiped the floor with that very good Jaguar offensive team. Okay, We come back the next day, Mark Freed was phenomenal on the mound. We won the first two games. He beat Notre Dame. Then they come back the following day, and they beat Joey Collins. And so we had to have that decisive game against Notre Dame. We all remember it. But here's the thing. Kevin Donovan came in the game with the bases loaded, and Notre Dame threatening to take the lead late. We brought him out of the bullpen, and he had just thrown 150 pitches, one day rest, one out, the bases loaded. We had to get out of it, and he got out of it. And he completely shut the door on Notre Dame. And it was like a Herculean effort. Ty Martin hits the home run to walk it off, and we win that game. And so to me, Kevin Donovan, just what he did over that three-day period back in 2000 gets him a spot in my bullpen.
1: We talked about that experience in the regional last year when Cole Gordon came into the ball game. We talked we've used Cole Gordon three straight days. We're going all in right here, very similar to that ball game. It was there was nothing left. It was all we were about to, it was all on Kevin Donovan and we end up advancing.
0: And you know, that was under Pat McMahon who, you know, rarely did that with pitchers. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, to be honest with you, that kind of took a lot out of Kevin Donovan. And the next week, he really wasn't the same guy in the super regional at Clemson. But anyway, I needed a left-hander in the pen, and a guy could throw a hard breaking ball. And so I went to Kevin Donovan.
1: All right, so we're going to move to the 15th round. And, you know, I'm known for my right fielders. I'm going to add another. <laughs> in the 15th round, I select Brad Corley, right fielder, Louisville, Kentucky, 2003 to 2005. He can also pitch if I get in a pinch. He started seven games as a freshman. So Brad Corley in the 15th round. And here's what I now realize that I have done. You, of course, have a couple of 20 home run guys. There have been five times in Mississippi State baseball history that a player has hit 19. I've drafted now every guy who's done that. So Corley hit 19, and he also hit 380 as a sophomore, second team All American, I uh adding some more power to the lineup.
0: Okay. All right. So you're gonna have like nine outfielders. That's fine. Okay. You got plenty of guys to pinch yet late. Here's the thing about Brad Corley, all right? Brad, phenomenal guy, great high school coach down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. I pick Ross Mitchell number five overall and I think he can really attribute a lot of the success of Ross Mitchell to Brad Corley. But not, not a lot of people know that because when Brad came here to, to Mississippi State, was like a GA student assistant when Ross was early in his career. And Brad played with a guy in the minor leagues who threw a one-seam fastball. He actually straddled the, the seam, that right seam with your two fingers and throw a one-seam fastball. We talk about four seams and two seams. He threw a one seam. And if you can do it and you can control it, It has tremendous movement, and Ross could do it. He could hold it. And in that 13th season, he was up there throwing wiffle balls with a one-seam fastball that was taught to him by Brad Corley. Do you know that? I did not know that. That's a good story for you. All right, in the 15th round, I'm going to go with a left fielder. 1986-1987 from Fort Pierce, Florida, transfer from Indian River State College, Dan Peradoa. Dan Peridoa hit three seventy six in 1986, three forty seven in 1987. Of course, we didn't make the NCAA tournament in 1986, but in 87 we kind of got things going. And the thing about Paradoa in those 86 and 87 seasons, I mean, he just tore the cover off the ball the entire season. And you look in the uh, 1987 year, he led the team in hitting. With uh, with that uh, that batting average we just talked about, what, 347, And so fourth-round draft pick of the Minnesota Twins after that senior season. I'm going to go in the 15th round with left fielder Dan Paradoa. You know, that 1987 team, one of my favorite teams,
1: and we talk so much about you guys like Pete Young and your Burke Masters and those guys, but Dan Peridoa was a big part of the batting order. And you remember coming off that 85 season, it was basically a complete rebuild in 86. There were a lot of new faces out there. Paradoa, one of those guys who really kind of helped bridge that gap between that 85, 84, and 85 seasons into the success that Mississippi State had, 87 through 90. Okay, who you have got in the 16th round? I'm going to go to the bullpen. You've been saying all along that I've got my closer in John Harden. I think I have my setup man in John Harden because I'm going to go with the soft-throwing Harden in the 7th and 8th but in the ninth, I'm going to Aaron Weatherford. Nice right-handed pitcher out of Fairhope, Alabama,
0: 2006 to 2008. You know, Weatherford's one of those guys, and, and you can look through, you know, guys that made it to the major leagues. You know, Weatherford was a third-round draft pick, big-time arm. Um, was really instrumental in that uh, that Florida State regional in 2007 and got us to the Super Regional here. Yeah,
1: you think back to that Super Regional, you had Mitch Moreland had yep. the save in Game 2. Aaron Weatherford had the save in Game 1. There was a huge crowd here in the first game. Those ball games were played, I think, like 11 a.m. 11 a.m. I mean, it was just hot as the surface of the sun. Sweating mayonnaise. Oh, man. The ninth mm-hmm. inning, we went to Aaron Weatherford. He came out of the bullpen, and he was huge. But then in 2008, he comes back. And look, we didn't have the success we wanted to as a team, but it wasn't because of Aaron Weatherford. He these numbers are amazing. He was 3 and 1. He had 7 saves. His ERA was under 1, 0.85. Opposing hitters hit less than 100 against him. And then this is my favorite. You've got some guys who struggle with strikeouts now and then. Hey, think they're going to fare against Aaron Weatherford? He pitched 31 innings, struck out 62. Two out of every three outs he recorded were by strikeout. Aaron Weatherford, a, a big time get for me. Well, I think that's a ton of value for me in the 16th round.
0: The thing about Weatherford, I remember, I don't think he walked a lot of guys. Let me see. Let's look through here. 2008, struck out 62 in 31 innings and walked 10. Yeah.
1: As I say, it was 6 to 1, basically, yeah. strikeout to walk ratio.
0: I'll take that. So that's a, that's your 16th round pick. I'm going to go with a right handed pitcher. He could be a starter. He could be a guy in the bullpen. He started his career in the bullpen. 1987-1990. Right-hander from Germantown, Tennessee, Tracy Jobs. He was the perfect complement to Bobby Reed. Tracy Jobs was a
1: very good pitcher. And he Tracy Jobs, I think it was, also had one of my favorite quotes about Mississippi State baseball in the late 80s. And that is I heard him say one time, "The bench is heavy." Yes, what he meant. There was a <laughs> lot of talent just sitting on the bench on those teams, but yeah, Tracy Jobs had some big time moments for Mississippi State.
0: Won 17 games in his final two seasons in 1989 and 1990. Those two great teams, and like we said, he he was that. You had Bobby Reed on Friday nights, and then you had Tracy Jobs. And the thing about Tracy Jobs is, back in those days, he played a nine and a seven, and Tracy Jobs. You know, he, he really didn't have as much pressure as say a Bobby Reed, and you could bring in a Pete Young after Tracy Jobs. But if you got five six good innings, sometimes later than that out of Tracy Jobs, you had a really good chance to win a series, and that's how that team won a lot of series, 80, 90, 90, with Bobby on Friday night, or you know early on that first game, and then Tracy Job kind of coming in there and and knocking the door down. So I'm going to go with Tracy Jobs, my second pick of the 16th round.
1: Little quick footnote, by the way, the SEC tournament. We've talked about that ball game that Mississippi State won against Georgia, the one where Jody Hurst hit two home runs. Tracy Jobs was the winning pitcher in that ball game, so I knew he had pitched early in that that uh, tournament. Tracy Jobs, a, a big time, and he pitcher.
0: was a freshman that year.
1: Yeah, uh, he he was he was really. In the, if you think back, that was one of the great
0: runs of Mississippi State baseball teams through the late '80s. And he was primarily a bullpen guy. His first two seasons kind of moved a little bit into the starting role his junior year, but full blown full blown starter in that uh, senior season in two thousand. Excuse, excuse me, in nineteen ninety. All right, seventeenth round.
1: I need pitching, and I will draft the right-handed pitcher Kyle Kennedy out of Quitman, Mississippi, nineteen ninety-two to 1995 and Kyle Kennedy here's the thing about Kyle Kennedy if you go back and look when he was a freshman in 1992 B.J. Wallace had an ERA of 2.6 Kyle Kennedy had an ERA of 2.6 in 1995 Debose had an ERA of 3.28 Kennedy had an ERA of 3.38 but here's the number one thing about Kyle Kennedy he's got a career ERA in the low threes but the number one thing this guy would have one heck of a lawsuit for lack of support. <laughs> Defensively and offensively, 22 unearned runs behind him in 1995. Really? 22 unearned runs. He had 49 unearned runs committed behind him in his career. But this was a guy who, look, when you had a B.J. Wallace, you had an Eric Debose, this was a guy who stood in there and threw right with him. I need a guy who can come in, be a, eat up some innings. Kyle Kennedy's my guy.
0: All right. Here's the thing about tonight. It's been crazy. Last week, there were several guys that you picked that I was going to pick, and I don't think we've run into, into that at time tonight. 17th round, here we go. In the year 2012, Mississippi State had eight players that eventually would play in Major League Baseball, which tied an SEC record that's, you know, in the old days, I can't remember if it was LSU or someone at Florida. You had eight guys in 2012 that played in the big leagues. You played in a regional down in Tallahassee, Florida. Tell me the starting right fielder (laughs) in games one and two. We've talked about this. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I need to short my bullpen (laughs) with a guy that can play right field and a guy that was just monumental out of the bullpen. I'm going to go with a little assassin from Laredo, Texas, 2011, 12, and 13. The left-hander, Luis Poglurena. And here's why I'm going with Luis Poglurena. If you look in 2011, he won seven games. He only started five games, came here as a sophomore, pitched over at Mary in his freshman year, came here in 2011, and won seven games, five starts. ERA wasn't great. But in the NCAA tournament in 2011, absolutely shut the door on Southern Miss over in Atlanta at Georgia Tech. We go on and win that regional. We go to the Super Regional. We get beat by Florida, third game. And then in 2012, you know, Luis stayed in the bullpen, had great numbers, a 4-0 record, a 1.85 earn run average came in the SEC tournament had a game winning RBI against LSU and that that run to the win the SEC tournament championship. And then in 2013 Poirier kind of moved to a starting role went 6 and 4 started a game in the College World Series and he always seemed to rise to the occasion in big games. I think in 2011 against Southern Miss over in Atlanta and then 2012 when you know we had that great team but we're kind of struggling in the middle of the season. We played Southern Miss down in Pearl and we went with Luis Polioarena on a Tuesday night, and Luis shut him down again, and it really kind of got things going again. So he was—he's that moxie guy, not big, not overpowering, and um, you know drafted late in the in the uh, in the major league baseball draft, 23rd round by the Rangers. But I'm going Luis Polioarena in the 17th round.
1: Well, I would say this: we are staying we're staying on track in the sense of. My, I'm going straight down my board right here. Uh, you haven't taken anybody that I want. Apparently, I haven't taken anybody that you want. But you're going to wish you had this one. I need another catcher. I've got a left-handed hitting catcher right now. I don't want to turn it around. I'm going to go with Barry Patton. You'll give me my theme music here now that my pick is in. All right. And with the first pick in the 18th round, I select Barry Patton, catcher, Casiasko. Mississippi. Patton was part of, I, I think we may can say best recruiting class ever.
0: Yeah, that 94 year. That was I mean, the best recruiting dude. class. You had so many guys Freeman, Patton, Richard Lee. Oswald was in that class, wasn't he? Jeremy Jackson.
1: Yeah, Pyatt was in that class, I think. Yeah. So you got well, a lot of big time players, but Barry Patton caught in two College world Series. Uh, this is a guy who was a big time defender. You know my memory. You know Patton was all regional team in in '97, but the the series that I really remember with that team was the the series out in College Station against Texas A and M. The regional that they won. Remember Chris Reineke came yes. in and had that huge performance. What like six or seven innings uh, in the deciding game. We uh, had to beat A and M twice in front of. Uh, a really tough crowd. That was a tough place to play back then, and we were able to come back and win. But Barry Patton, look, he was a big time hitter, but he was phenomenal uh, defender. That's the thing. I, I need a guy who can who can block it up, who can defend and receive. And Barry Patton is, is my guy.
0: Okay, real quick, because we got to hurry to get through. Because I love to talk, and I look, I could talk about this all night. Barry Patton, you know the memory I have of Barry Patton. 97 against Washington on that Monday, Memorial Day. Everybody talks about DeBose. Big moment in that game. They had the bases loaded and two outs. Remember, that was a one-run ball game. DeBose spiked the breaking ball out front, got the swing and the miss, and the ball caroms up the first base side. And Barry Patton picks up the ball, sliding on his knees all in one motion, whips it to first, ends the inning. And it goes in the scorebook as a strikeout. But it's been, you know, 23 years. And I remember Barry Patton blocking that ball up the first base side. It was almost on top of those old concrete uh, batting circles to the right. And, you know, you had those concrete pl- things, I don't, those pads I don't, on, in the foul territory. So, yeah, that's that's my memory of Barry Patton. So that was your 18th round pick? Yeah, we could almost do an entire show on that series, by oh, the way. Oh, my goodness. I have – I don't have a catcher. You've picked two. I don't have one yet. And here's where I'm going to start getting you, All right. It's not about guys that have the unreal stats. It's about guys that make people around them better. And I've got the rock behind the plate right now. I've got the guy who was the glue in the late 1980s, the guy who could make things happen and handle a pitching staff. My second pick of the 18th round from Jackson, Mississippi, the pride of Woodland Hills, 86-89, to 89, Barry Winford. 49 games as a freshman, stole 40 bases as a catcher. The guy could run. He could hit when he had to. 12th round pick by the Texas Rangers in 1989. But he was the guy. We talk about Bobby Reed. We talk about Tracy Jobs, And we talk about all these great guys from the late 1980s. They had no fear whatsoever of spiking that breaking ball in the dirt with Barry Pat, Barry Winford behind the plate. You know, Winford
1: threw out like half the guys that ran on him in 87. And the other thing that I remember is we, we've talked several times here in our draft about that 87 SEC tournament over in Athens, Georgia. Game one, Jody Hurst hits the two home runs. But his second home run didn't win the game. It tied it. Brad Hildreth, I think, was hit by a pitch. And Barry Winford. Actually drove him in, and yep. so Barry Winford had that game-winning hit in that ball game. Uh, that's a really good pick. Barry's twin brother Ryan. Ron Winford. All right, real quick too. Another thing about that '87 series or '87 season, we had a real dip in the middle of the year. One of the things that happened, we talk all the time about Nelson Ariete taking the ball in the face. It was either the day before or the day after playing Delta State. Guys rounding third, coming home, and goes high elbow into Barry Winford, breaks his jaw. And so we have Barry Winford playing at the end of the year basically with his jaw shut. Ron Winford, as luck would have it, broke his jaw, I think, the following year getting ready for the season. Those were two really, really good athletes. Both played football here for a little bit of time too in the Emory Ballard years. So uh, a good athletic pick there in Barry Winford.
0: Okay, through six rounds tonight, my picks through six rounds. I went Brad Freeman in the 13th, Kevin Donovan in the 14th, Dan Peridoa in the 15th, Tracy Jobs in the 16th, Luis Pogliorena in the 17th, and Barry Winford in the 18th. What did you have? I had Connor Powers in the 13th, Brian Weiss, Brad
1: Corley, the relief pitcher Aaron Weatherford, and Kyle Kennedy, and then Barry
0: Patton through 18 innings. Well, i tell you what. We'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. It's out of left field, presented by Farm Bureau. Talk about some of these country-pleasing sausage. Jersey Mike's opening tomorrow. A lot of great things going on here in Starkville. Baseball season next Friday. Back with a little more out of left field, presented by Farm Bureau right after this. All right, back and start. We're ready to go. For rounds 19 through 25, Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield out of left field. Presented by Farm Bureau. Go with the home team, guys that you go to church with, guys you sit in carpool with, picking up the kids every day. Guys that are just your buddies. Each town in Mississippi, Farm Bureau. Go to favorites.com. And also every week during the season, we're going to talk about uh, our look back segment. When we do this every week, when we talk about some of these great teams, country pleasing sausage, Henry Cooper in the game uh, down in, uh, in Rankin County and in Florence, it's the best product to get known to man. I've, I've gotten more comments this week about country pleasing. They said last week we had the onion, we had the jalapeno cheddar, we had the original. And then the question I had was where was the pork and pineapple? The andouille sausage at uh, – at Country Pleasing, if you go to a restaurant in New Orleans, and that's the, the andouille capital of the world, all these Cajun chefs, these Creole cuisine, odds are they're using Country Pleasing andouille. And so it's uh, Country Meat Packers down on Highway 49. Make sure you uh, you head down to that area anytime, And uh, we'll stop in and see Henry in the game. Make sure you tell them that uh, Bart and Charlie sent you by, and they may send us some stuff, and we can eat it in front of you one day. Jersey Mike's, of course, new sponsor. They'll uh, open their store and start well tomorrow, February the 5th, opening the Madison location in mid March. And we'll talk more about those guys. Okay, Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield, out of left field, presented by Farm Bureau. Charlie, we're almost halfway through round 19. Who you got?
1: In the 19th round, I select Steve Susie. Hmm. Right-handed pitcher out of Tullahoma, Tennessee, 1979 to 1981. Susie was the complement to Don Mundy. Uh, he was a big, tall guy, 6'4", 215. His ERA in 81 was better than your guy. You selected Don Mundy, went 14-5. Susie went 11-5, but had a better ERA. Won 11 games that year, top 10 seasons all-time. First-team time first, time, first all-league. Steve Susie also... Gets picked for a, another reason. He's the first person that I remember seeing pitch in 1979. Ah. Steve Susie was on the mound. And so for years as a kid, you know, I'm six seven. I just thought Steve
0: Susie pitched every game. So I'm taking him here today. All right. I'm going to stay in the 19th round, the same era. A teammate of his. You talked about Don Mundy. And, of course, I picked Don Mundy early in my draft. Phenomenal right-hander. You go, Steve Soucy. I'm going to stay on the same 81 team, okay? Tenth-round pick by the Philadelphia Phillies in 1981. He pitched here in 80 and 81, okay? Went 8-2 in 1981. A guy could play shortstop as well. He was better known as a shortstop. You know who I'm about to Uh, say? I do. Steve D'Urcole. Steve D'Urcole. Played at Seminole State, Florida. Transferred in here. Pitcher shortstop. Was just a solid shortstop. His offensive stats were not really unbelievable. But on the mound in 1981, he had nine starts and eight complete games. Now, some of those may have been seven inning games. But still, nine starts, eight complete games, eight and two in 1981. And here, the, big one. Uh, here's, here's the here, big one. Here we go. You can go to Wichita, Kansas, or Wichita, Missouri, Wichita, Kansas, and talk to a guy by the name of Gene Stevenson. Gene Stevenson was a longtime head coach at Wichita State. He was a legend, still is a legend in the coaching profession. And you could ask Gene Stevenson to name one guy on the Mississippi State program, and he would tell you Steve D'Erkley. Because in 1981, he had Joe Carter. He had... Oh my goodness! He had all these guys. He had his brother Phil Stevenson, who still has the record for most hits ever in college baseball. And Steve DeUrkelay over in the Clemson regional in 1981 completely shut him down. Completely shut him down. It wore him out so bad they lost the next day. Were out of the region. They were the one seed in that 81 regional, but Steve DeUrkelay kind of shut it down on them over against Wichita State and Clemson. And so he's my second pick of the 19th round. All right, so we move to the 20th. Okay.
1: And I'm ready to go with my pick. All right. If you'll give me a no. – It's there. just not official without the music.
0: I ah, know. Go ahead.
1: You talked about being gritty. You talked about being blue-collar. There is nobody who embodies that more for me in Mississippi State baseball than my pick. The right-handed pitcher out of Starkville, Mississippi, 1987-1988, oh, Terry 1987, Ellis, he was all-tournament team in 87 SEC tournament. In 88, he came back, won 10 games, went 10 and 4. This guy did not letter until he was a junior at Mississippi State and became an outstanding pitcher. Here, though, is the thing I remember about Terry Ellis. In 19, first of all, you'd have to go back and know this. Mississippi State, like most every other team in the area, had summer league teams for their freshmen. Ole Miss had one. Delta State had one. Mississippi State was the Bryan Packers. It was basically a (laughs) semi-pro league that played throughout the South, sponsored by Bryan Foods. And they uh, would go around and play. They played at UNO. They played at Delta State. and played in Oxford all around. But they played a three-game series in Millington, Tennessee, against Team USA. It was the old Pan Am games that were basically the qualifier for the Olympics. Ron Fraser from Miami was the coach. Ron Polk was an assistant. They played a three-game set in Millington, Tennessee. Game one got murdered. Game three got murdered. But in the middle, Terry Ellis. This was a team that had Tino Martinez and had Jim Abbott. I mean, there were some big-time players on this team. Terry Ellis lost a ball game on a walk-off in the ninth to Team USA. He got beat 6-5. to five. He gave up one earned run. This is a guy... Who learned to be a pitcher? He was a good high school pitcher. He became a very good college pitcher. One of my all-time favorites, Terry Ellis. Are you going with him as
0: a starting pitcher or in the bullpen?
1: I'm probably going to use him out of the bullpen. Although I have not, I, I'm not as confident in my uh, my how many games I'm going with my starters. Whether I'm going to go three or four.
0: I'm going to stay in the bullpen. Right-hander. Because I'm try- I've got Donovan, I've got Paul Urena on the left side and Ross Mitchell. And on the right side, I've got Van Johnson, Hank Toms, Tracy Jobs. I'm going to go with him out of the pen. And this guy from Stowe, Ohio, right-hander, Chris Young. Here's the thing about Chris Young. Just kind of unheralded numbers. I mean, just the numbers on Young. He went 5-1 and one in 2001. The numbers are just good. 49 uh, 44 hits in 49 innings. Teams hit 237 against him. Then in 2002 he went 5 and 2, a 3.67 earned run average, 64 hits in 73 innings. I mean, he was just he was just solid. I mean, and so every time it seemed like he never got a bad outing out of the right-hander Chris Young. And so my second pick of the 20th round, Stowe, Ohio right-hander Chris Young, pitching coach now. Uh, or, bullpen or bullpen coach. Bullpen coach for the Cubs. yeah bullpen coach he's a world series champion played all the way into triple a never made it to the big leagues and so yeah chris young second pick of the 20th round what you got for the 21st i'm gonna stay on the mound
1: and i'm gonna go to iuka mississippi and take the right-handed pitcher chuck holly 1988 1989 and Chuck Hawley showed up at Mississippi State 5'10", 147. But here's the thing Chuck Hawley could do. He could spin it. In, you know, in 89, I think we could have a great discussion one day about best Mississippi State team that didn't make the College World Series. 84 would be on the list. 89 is probably my team. I thought that was the best team in the country. And Chuck Hawley was one of the best pitchers. He went 9-2 and two on that team. Had an ERA of just 1.76. To put it in context, on that '89 team, Bobby Reed won 12 games. Tracy Jobs won nine. So did Chuck Holly. My pick in the 21st.
0: All right, I'm gonna go 21st round. I got a guy who only played here two years. Played here two years, and he was very instrumental on both of those teams. And we've already talked about him just a tad. And he was a transfer from the University of Florida, from West Melbourne, Florida, Ty Martin. Hmm. Ty Martin, the thing that Ty did is he came in. We had lost so many of those guys. We needed to fill some holes on the left side of the infield. Came in, was injured a little bit, started 45 games in, in 1999, and then in 2000 led the team in hitting hit 352 five home runs and of course one really big one the walk-off home run to win the Starwell Regional in 2000 against Notre Dame and so Ty Martin a guy that could play third base or second base I'm going to go with my second pick in the 21st round Ty Martin left-handed hitter do you consider him to be a uh, you
1: consider Ty Martin to be a, a, a true bulldog here
0: yeah, and, and here's the thing. We Man, had we're
1: s- going transfer. Now, we've gone JUCO transfers. Yeah. Well, and, this is but, the first guy who's
0: transferred t- from another college. Let me tell you, there was a couple guys in there. I thought of a Chris Lauder at second base, played at Ole Miss, and then came here. i tell you, a guy who was a transfer played here just one year, and I was close I was close to picking him. Close to picking him. Around that same era, I think, what, 1999? Yeah, 1999, third in the team in hitting. How about Cliff Wren? Played pedal. Mm. Went to Southern Miss, hit 367, 13 bombs. That was in '99. So you had a couple of those guys that played other places, and then came here. But Ty was a two-year guy. He played here two years, and was uh, and was solid on the infield. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him in there. Saw him at the baseball alumni weekend back at homecoming. Works down at Troy, lives in Troy, Alabama, and that was kind of the first time I'd seen Ty in a long time. So I'm gonna put him on there. Second pick of the 21st round, Ty Martin yeah all right so that's not a uh not a bad pick but you know what I'm gonna go you're feeling I feel the pressure you're now aren't you you know that I'm catching you all these people tweeting this week about how you're wearing me out they right now are falling in line with me I'm closing strong go ahead here you go well, twenty second gonna, twenty second round
1: you're gonna have to keep closing strong if you're gonna catch up with me but I think we're in the twenty twenty second round now yeah you know this is a spot where I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, my pick is in. Okay. I'm going with one of the best hitters that you don't remember. And that's Brandon Turner out of Cleveland, Tennessee. Second baseman, 2007 to 2008. Pulled his hamstring at Oxford. Yeah, it just, he it, it, it never really recovered from it. But in 2007, Brandon Turner hit 399. Yeah. Let's put that in context. That was 40 points higher than Easley, another 60 or 70 higher than Moreland and Ray. I mean, think about this. I mean, this guy out hit Jeffrey Ray, Ed Easley, Mitch Moreland in 2007. He had a big tournament down in Florida State. You know, we talk in about that 2007 season with the Clemson Super Regional. But, you know, we had to go down to Tallahassee and do yep. some work down there. Justin Pocket Ty Martin had the game-winning hit in the first game against Florida State then in the first inning of the deciding game in that series, he had a two-run home run. Yep. So I'm going with Brandon Turner, my second baseman. I loved watching Brandon Turner hit from the left side.
0: All right, 22nd round. We're going to have to hurry. We've got 10 minutes before we got to get off of here. 22nd round, second pick. I've got a guy that can play third base. I've got a guy that can play center field. I can move him over in the outfield. 79 to 1982. Milwaukee, Wisconsin native, Dave Klipstein. Klipstein is a sophomore, hit 340. He was right behind Gillespie in 1980. Then in 81 he hit 327, third on the team behind Gillespie and Castoria. And then in 1982, led the team in hitting. He hit 385, stole 18 bases, started his career. In 79, played third base on that great 79 team, and then they moved him to the outfield, and he was a cornerstone in the outfield in the early 1980s. Second pick of the 22nd round, Dave Klipstein. All right. With the first pick in the 23rd round,
1: I select left-handed pitcher from Miami, Florida, Trent in Really? 1983 to 1986. And let me correct you on something. Just because he tweeted you. Ty Martin is a switch hitter. And you know how Ty Martin hit that home run against Notre Dame to win it. You know what side he was on? Left side. I'm going to turn him around. I'm going to make him hit from the right. I'm drafting the left-hander. I want a match-up guy out of the bullpen. I'm going to make Ty Martin swing it from the right side. He didn't swing it from the left on this field. So, Trenton Torsha was a relief pitcher early in his career, had a really big year in 1984, became a starter. But here is the other stat. What do I value in my pitching staff? Above ERA, I want him to keep it in the ballpark because I've got defenders. Trent and Torsha only allow one home run every 23 innings pitched, only 10 in his tire, entire career. Trent and Torsha, my third
0: left-handed pitcher on the roster. All right, I'm going to go with righty because we've kind of gone chalking this thing because I've kind of had some guys mapped out. Second pick of the 23rd round, a guy that I thought had the best changeup. That I've seen at Mississippi State, best changeup I've seen other than the right-handed changeup, other than John Harden, who threw at 47. The best right-handed changeup, Austin Sexton. Okay, Austin didn't play last year, so he is out of the minor leagues. That's the reason. Played 14 to 16, right-hander from Huntsville, Alabama, Austin Sexton. And Sexton played a a pitch primarily out of the bullpen in 14. And then in fifteen, moved to a starting role. You know, won four games in that uh, two thousand fifteen season. But then in, in sixteen, he went eight and three, started in seventeen games, and was just kind of the, the the backup guy to um, to Dakota Hudson. You had Dakota Hudson, Zach Houston, uh, young Connor Pilkington on that staff, but Austin Sexton was kind of the glue. That day two starter came up with some big starts, and so I'm going to go with the, the right hander from Huntsville, Alabama, second pick of the twenty third round. Austin Sexton. Two more picks to go. We're going 25.
1: All right, my pick is ready. In the 24th round, I select out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 1977-78, and 78, outfielder and first baseman, Dale Bender. Oh, yeah. Dale Bender. Hey, I'm looking for a guy who can grab a bat, come in, and run one out of the yard. Dale Bender is that guy. He led the league in home runs in 78. He hit 17. Hit three in one game that year, by the way. He's in the MSU M Club Hall of Fame. He was first-team All-SEC, a fifth-round draft pick. And you know what else besides running it out of the yard? He was top ten single-season in stolen bases. And one quick thing. Dale Bender, we talked so much about the Frank Thomas home run. Dale Bender in 78 put one over the lights and over the old bathhouse that sits below basically where we are. This is a guy who can – he didn't have as many games as some of your guys had – This is a big home run guy.
0: All right. Since we're playing a seven-game series, I've got to have somebody other than Barry Winford catch because the chances of you making a seven-game series with just one catcher are very slim. And so a guy that caught here in 1979 and 1980, he was a transfer from Dover, New Jersey. John McDonald, 1979 and 1980, was a solid pitcher behind the plate. We talk about Susie, we talk about Monday, uh, we talk about uh, Kenny Kurtz, but the guy that kind of held it together behind the plate was John McDonald. He hit third on the team in the seventy nine team, three fifty two in seventy nine, and then uh, in nineteen eighty, he uh, he was good behind the plate again. And so uh, John McDonald was uh, was just solid. He was just a solid catcher, and kind of that guy like a. Barry Winford, he's fourth on the team at hitting in 1980. And so he handled all those pitchers. I needed another catcher on my roster, and uh, that was hard to make. It was a hard decision to make. I like a West Thigpen. He did a great job in 2010, 2011 of handling those pitchers. I'm a catcher's guy, you know, uh, Slaughter, Amarotti, Josh Lovelady. uh, Chris Curry had a good year in 1999. Boy, tough to run on him. Man, Blake Anderson in the uh, mid-1990s, Matt Carpenter. You know, Jim w- uh, Jim Robinson was a solid defensive catcher along with Barry Winford in late 1980s, 1990 in that time frame. But I'm going to go with John McDonald. John McDonald, my second pick of the 24th round.
1: All right, so that gets me to the 25th round. And Last pick. I struggled. I've got two guys on the right side. Uh, that, uh, that I've looked at. You know, you've got saunders Ramsey, you've got Mike Martin, you sitting there, but I want to go left-handed here. And I'm going to go with Hans Herzog, left-handed pitcher out of Martinsburg, West Virginia. And let me tell you why I'm going from the left side. Uh, or actually, let me tell you why I'm going with Herzog. One of my favorite teams is that 83 team. That team really bridged the gap between some good teams in the late 70s, early 80s, and then that 85 team. Hans Herzog won 12 games in 1983, went 12-3, and three, pitched 118 innings. And the thing that I like, though, in 1983, that's still one of my favorite teams. That team went out to Austin, Texas, and played in the regional and actually beat Texas, who would go on to be the national champion that year. We beat Texas early in that regional. Hans Herzog got the win. Texas comes back, beats us twice. They go to the College World Series and win the whole, whole thing. But you look at a moment, that moment for Herzog winning in Austin was a big one. Only Don Mundy had won more games in a season before Herzog. So I'm going to the left side, and I'm rounding out my roster with Hans Herzog. All
0: right, my roster, my my final pick on my roster, and I had a real struggle with this, real struggle with this. And I kind of worried, I was kind of worried that you were going to pick this guy. Second pick of the 25th round, and we talked about last week about how we view guys. Is it someone who is recent? Is it that recency? And we also talked about that 12-year-old guy syndrome. When you were a 12-year-old kid, who did you come to the ballpark to watch that you thought was larger than life? And so my 25th pick is the 12-year-old Bart. Because I used to come to the ballpark in 1987 to 1990, and I absolutely loved watching Tracy Eccles play baseball. I thought Tracy Eccles was the greatest thing ever. And so with my 25th pick, I needed some depth in the outfield. And when you start looking in 1987 to 1990, the guy had some great stats. I mean he had really, really, really good stats. And so he was second on the team in hitting in 1987 as a freshman. He had 339 behind Dan Peradoa. And uh, just had a solid career out in right field and just kind of had the feeling that here's a guy that could have been just an unreal player. But uh, uh, anyway, that's my pick, Tracy Eccles.
1: Remember, Tracy Eccles hitting a walk-off home run here. Had a man on first, one out, down by run to Tennessee, and he went opposite field with it. A big time, big time hitter.
0: Several guys that we wanted to put on here, and that was the thing about it. Is you start looking up and down the this uh, this roster uh, at all these rosters of who you wanted to pick, and I mean, my goodness, the list could go on and on and on. And uh, I mean, some of the guys, I think in center field, you know, it's almost like an honorary pick. I tell you, I want to have, well, I want to, I want to ha- have an, on- let's have an honorary round. You get one guy, I get one guy. Yeah, and, you know, it was
1: one of the guys that I, I, I couldn't decide how to handle, but one of the guys, um, you know, passed away in the line of duty and who deserves to be in the top 50 pick, players picked is um, was a firefighter, passed away, and that was uh, Scott Tanksley. Who, um, yeah, out of Dallas? Yeah, who um, 93 to 95, he's third all-time in saves. And so uh, a guy who is certainly worthy of mention
0: guy passed away a few years ago was kind of that uh, cornerstone in the outfield and we've talked so much about you know jody hurst and you talk about mike kelly and i talk about tracy Eccles wanting to grow up like tracy Eccles. but the guy that you know you wanted to be when you're diving for line drives in the outfield when you were a kid was dan van cleve
1: oh absolutely
0: i mean and he was a guy was a table setter 38 stolen bases in 1985 and so you know, we we didn't have guys like a Burke Masters. I mean, we had so many guys that played and were instrumental in this program. Um, you know, Burke Masters. I think of pitchers like you know Brian Compton. And I mean, we we didn't even talk Mark about like Freed. Richie
1: Graham, for example. You Mark know, Freed, Justin Tigue. Yeah. We only mentioned in passing uh, a lot of really and, and and just on one play alone, one catch alone. Brooks Brian Brooks yeah, absolutely <laughs> one of the all time. I mean, Brooks Brian hit
0: over three hundred his two years here. Transfer from East Central Community College, college with you and mine. And he was great. Rusty
1: was, Toms. Yeah. Rusty Toms is a guy who had, had a tremendous regional tournament here. Probably should be on a team
0: just for that alone. And, I mean, was a fan favorite out in uh, in Omaha. Matthew Brinson at first base. Matthew Brinson played, you know, three years as a starter in the early 2000s. Had some good batting averages. Um,
1: and what might have been for a couple of guys, Ariete who got hurt was never really the same. Rob Houswald. Uh, Rob Houswald. Oh, my goodness. You know, that, Rob that's ev- a guy who may have set, like, big-time records.
0: Well, to be honest with you, if Rob Houswald doesn't have the accident, we can't pick him anyway because he'd played in the big leagues. Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly right. Um, but there's so many great guys that, that, you know, it's almost a disservice. And we'll talk about some of those, you know, yeah, Damien Ciano hit, hit 310. I mean, he was, he was big in the mid-1990s. David Hooten, uh, Keith Dilgard had a, had some really good years in there pitching-wise. And I'm just kind of just Tanner Brock. Tanner Brock in 2001, I mean, he was your Friday night horse. Um, Mark Freed, we talked about Donovan in 2000. He was the Friday night guy. The Saturday, Freed was that big imposing left-hander that followed Donovan. You know, Donovan was like the smallest guy on the team.
1: Well, it's like you know I mentioned Saunders Ramsey a little bit ago. You know, you go back in 2004; he went seven and two, had the best ERA on the team, also had four saves. So you go all up and down. You know, the pitching staffs, and boy, it's just the names that come back to you. You know, your Brett Cleveland's, Todd Doolittle's. I
0: mean, Joseph all- Hunter in center field, and oh my goodness, John Mungo had some some good had a good couple of years there. Power, Brad Jones. I'm not going to pay you, Brad. Not gonna pay you. <laughs> so we right. we need a
1: show on guys that we should have picked.
0: <laughs> that's right. All right. So that's our draft, rounds one through twenty-five. We had one to twelve last week. Thirteen to twenty-five tonight. Let us know who we left off. And of course, hey, this is subjective. Am I right? Is Charlie right? Absolutely not. And that's a great thing about this baseball program. Is there's so many guys we could go deeper and look and who could be in these top twenty-five. And so, anyway, next week. We'll have a preview for the season. And, of course, we'll have the show throughout the year. We had to move it to Tuesday night. Uh, Charlie and I are going to Knoxville tomorrow night for uh, women's basketball. Mississippi State and uh, Tennessee and women's basketball. So make sure you tune into the podcast. Listen to this two or three times. Make sure you tell us everything we said that was wrong uh, because we will admit our failures. But make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And as we said, it's been absolutely amazing about – the reception we've received, the analytics. We were the number one trending baseball podcast in the United States last week on Apple Podcasts.
1: It says a lot about the love for Mississippi State baseball that fans in this area have.
0: Absolutely. So, Charlie, a lot of fun. We'll be back next week and we'll start breaking down the 2020 version of Mississippi State baseball. You've been listening to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau.